We're back. This is like the fourth show in probably like a week and a half that we've done after taking God knows how long off because of my wonderful little baby that I love so very much. There's a little bit of sarcasm in that. We are... I do love her. I guess I shouldn't say it's sarcastic, but she's, she's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes, too. She, um, she makes brewcasting very hard. Uh, we are... On location, live. I still don't understand the difference between the two, live or on location. I mean, we're definitely live. We have Facebook. Hi, everybody. Um, at what, the Dixon Arms Hotel and Pub, is That's that right? right. <laughs> with, Extended Stay Suites. With Dave Dixon wearing my favorite Braxton shirt of all time that none of us can buy, and it drives me crazy. And I'm hoping that the summer we can remedy that at Braxton Brewing Company in Covington because I would wear that shirt all the time. Um, this is kind of a Braxton show, but not really a Braxton show. This is kind of this uh, weird in-between show. So um, well, that'll probably get, a, get us a little bit ahead of where we're supposed to be. But um, you know, you guys tell everybody hi. Tell you tell everybody who you are so they can hear your voice, know what they're listening to, um, and we'll, we'll we'll dig in. Sounds good. Hi, I'm I'm Dave Dixon. Uh, I'm a member of the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers Guild. I have been for a while now. Wow. Um, been homebrewing since 1995 and uh, was brought on at Braxton as part of the innovation brew team back at the very beginning. So that's kind of my jump through the very short version. <laughs> I'm sure we'll dig into it a little bit absolutely, deeper. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm John Covey. I am uh, co-founder of the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers Guild. I've been homebrewing for about nine years and I get the uh, fortunate opportunity to help out with the innovation guys um, in a couple of different ways down at Braxton. I have beers older than John's been brewing. <laughs> well, the, the, the innovation stuff that, that, that Braxton is doing may not be, you know, groundbreaking for, for breweries. I mean, you know, innovation is, is clearly craft brewing mm -hmm. like, to a T, but at the same time, I don't, I don't think I've seen locally here somebody that's been as... Um, open and outward about what that means and how that fits into the whole thing. So um, I, part of that's why I think this right. is so exciting to show that um, that, that, that tight-knit kind of mix between the small system to the big system to everything in between, you know, the right. recipe development, that kind of stuff. It's, it's a fascinating topic to me. One other guy, too, that couldn't make it tonight that's part of the innovation team um, is uh, Mike Rezenkowski. Uh, Mike lived up here uh, in Hebron, and uh, he took a job at a company down south and towards Lexington. But uh, uh, Mike told me to tell everybody sorry he couldn't make it, and he says hi. And his last name's Roskowski. Roskowski. <laughs> <laughs> I think on Cheers, the, I think on the website he uh, on Braxton's website he's listed as the Hop Whisperer or something like that. It's pretty easy. Yeah, I'm the God. Well, he has an uncanny ability to uh, identify hops and uh, take the hops that you would not rec even think about going together, going together very nicely. So, and, you know, John is is kind of a a veteran of the show. You did. Well, I've been what, here before. Trying to look up what episode it was right now, but it was in our our so, homebrew month. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was with um, hey, I heckled you guys. Andy Melchers <laughs> and episode thirty-two, uh, October of two thousand fifteen. Was it really two thousand fifteen? Does that well, sound right? No, it doesn't. But that, I, wow, that's my notes can't lie. I take pretty good notes. So, um, and anybody who was frequent on our our uh, Periscope feed is uh, familiar with uh, with Dave. He uh, 
kept things going when I couldn't answer all the questions <laughs> that were being thrown at me sometimes. So <laughs> I guess you guys are both veterans of the show in some way. Um, well, since you guys are veterans of the show, you know how we start this thing. We don't just start talking about beer. There's one reason why you do a beer podcast. That's to drink beer. From the beer fridge. We've got a whole bunch of beer sitting in front of us. So um, this is my side beer. This is 1957 from Braxton. Right. Sad face. Um, we've got some commercial stuff and some homebrew stuff. Um, we don't have to dig through all of this either. We don't have to do all that stuff if we uh, run out of time. But uh, but we can certainly try. <laughs> Absolutely. Where, where do you guys want to start? Well, I had, this is the last bottle known in existence of this of this bottle. It's a English style barley. Dave's dreaded English style barley wine. It was brewed. Four thirteen, thirteen. <laughs> so, pre-brewcast. <laughs> pre-brewcast. Yeah, this uh, this pre bottle, pre-gnome. This this actually this yeah. this beer won quite a few. I hope it's still good. It should be still good. We can start with that. That's a big one. I mean, I always say go big or go home, or we can save that for later. I got a Belgian double here. Um, well, that's not exactly a small one either. We don't really have anything small, I guess. No. <laughs> Half some wheat's probably the smallest. Um, I don't know. Just, let's just dig I'm into it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. I make the decision. We're professionals. Don't, don't try this at all. It's still <laughs> nicely carved. Yep. So when was the last time you tried this one? Um, last year. Uh, we were brewing beer uh, here at uh, my house for um, Eddie's... Uh, Eddie Underiner's wedding, and uh, I had the uh, oak-aged barrel version of this one, which was quite tasty. I don't think I've ever had homebrew that turned out clear. Thank you, sir. Here, for your troubles. Thank you, sir. (laughs) It smells fantastic. It's still... This is um, an English style barley wine. So you think of uh, Old Foghorn from Anchor. Anchor. Yeah. Man, it still carries that nice. It's, 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 you, get, you, get, you get that prune almost yeah. caramel. The, oh, yeah. yeah, the the caramel, the dark fruit, the carbonation is still. This Fantastic. is about. This is about. I think it was like some 10, light oxidation, 10, which ten and a half helps. Ten and a half, eleven percent. So, what do you think? It's fantastic. You know, it's. Um, I, I hate using the word smooth to describe a beer because I think it doesn't tell people anything. But it is. It's smooth. It's caramely. It's uh, got some of that dark fruit going on. Mm-hmm. Some of them. This is not filtered either. This was. This is just bottle conditioned. Still fantastic. Oh, that's great. Last bottle. I have to make some more now. Cheers. Got the ching air cure. Oh, man. Never had homebrew that turned out anywhere close to that. Thank you. I like to tell people I'm shooting for the green apple flavor that I get in everything. That... <laughs> right. You want to brew that cabbage beer? <laughs> It's all about the brewer's intent, right? That's right. Now, my now my wife, uh, Josanna, she, she's also a home brewer. That's how we met through home brewing, planting the Blue Bonnet uh, many, many, many years ago down in Texas. And uh, she, she's a brewer also, and she has a Russian Imperial Stout. 
that I know John has had oh, before. Fantastic. She has a, a bottle of that that's eight years old that we're waiting to crack open uh, one day. She won uh, MCAB first place on that one. What is the secret to being able to hold on to things that long? Because Brew more beer. <laughs> is that it? Just have too much that you can't drink at all? Somebody, somebody wants to ask me, how do you make better beer? And I said, brew more. And the reason why is most... Most of the time, homebrewers want to taste their beer so quickly. You want to, you want to, you want to do you want to, what you brewed. You want to get it fermented. You just want to try, try it and drink it. Well, the more you brew, the more you have to let beer age properly. You let it go through its cycle. Uh, I there's time, important times. I had 18, 19 kegs of beer in my refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I have the ability to have 28 beers on tap. I wholeheartedly agree with the brew more beer mentality. The more you brew, the more you learn. Get better at your process procedure. Dial everything in. And keep, then, uh, keep that pipeline going. And then, yeah, you, you keep your pipeline going. And then, I mean, it does take a little bit of discipline to put some bottles away and not touch them for a while. Brew with, like, you know, five, seven years. Brew with, brew with people, too. But, like, Josie and I, when we brewed and we were at the peak of home brewing, I would say I was brewing at least three times a month. Joseph was probably brewing maybe once, twice a month. There was a point in time we had like, you know, 45 cases on that whole wall when you walked in there. Right. 45 cases of competition. Beer. That's not That's a hilarious. joke. We, um, uh, kind of the opposite of the spectrum, you know, we'll brew maybe once a year at this point. It was probably a little more frequent when I was home brewing more often when I still had it in my head that I was a home brewer. Right. And, you know, in my head, I still remember there was a, there was a beer I made. I wanted to do a uh, vanilla Java porter. I, a huge Atwater. Atwater was. I stopped there one time on a vacation and had their vanilla Java porter. That was kind of my, I guess, my first craft beer like Nirvana moment, and um, wanted to recreate that beer. And so we made it and tried it. And I'm like, this is all right, but it's just you know, it's it's not what it was supposed to be in my right, head. Right, right. You know, kept going through bottle after bottle, and it was just never really what it was supposed to be. But then. You know, probably a year or so down the line later, it was the last bottle, and I cracked it open, and I poured it in the glass, and there it was. You know, the light <laughs> shone on it, and it was perfect. And I'm like, shit, this is the last bottle. <laughs> like, if I had just sat on it a little bit longer, I could have finally had, you know, this this beer that right. it was supposed to be. So, um, I don't know. Be patient, people, I guess. I don't know. I Depends have, on the style. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I had... Um, I actually have a bottle of the very first beer I ever made, which was out of from a kit. It was a British pale ale. <laughs> I got I got the yeah, first two bottle first two beers I ever I put a label on them said I'm gonna keep one and we'll never open it so, so it's just nostalgia it's up there somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious so you you couldn't just crack it open at some point and then fill it with something nah, else and recap it and say it's the same probably be buried with me <laughs> what else do we have we have a um, let's try the double. Uh, this one here, if I remember correctly, it came out more like a Belgian strong dark than a double. Um, I wanted to get a little more Belgian character, but I didn't. I think I brewed this when it was colder, so I didn't get the higher temperatures for fermentation, but sounds good. John, this is similar to the one we did the, uh, the recipe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the test batch. And how old is this one? Same. Yeah? Yep. Well, that keg will never make it that long, but the current version of this is fantastic, too. You still get the Belgian notes, really nice. 
but I but it's see. it's it's mellowed. Well, I, I assume it's mellowed right. out a lot. You know, it's not that that real big like kind of punch you in the in the palate. No, no, Belgian East character. It's turned into more of a Belgian dark than it has a Belgian double. No, that's good. But I mean, it's still it's. I have about a half a case of this left. A little bit of that that oxidation that I think works really well with it. Again, this is not filtered either. Look how clear that beer is. Yeah, a little bit of the, uh, like you said, the Belgian characters faded away just a touch, but still just, drinks just clean and fantastic. Like you said, a little bit of oxidation. It's got a nice like body to it, though, too. Yeah. Like it's Carbonation's retained, bodies retained. Process. That's one thing that Josie and I always did is make sure that the process, cold side, anything after you chill, you have to, attention to detail is tremendous, especially in home brewing, because your, your environment is not as controlled in, in a big brewery. Um, well, it's a, it's important with both, but right, right. On, on a bigger side, it's a lot of that stuff is kind of automated. You've got you know systems in place that processes make right. that make that that and environment perfect. You have these professional chemicals too that you can use. You know, that have to be handled with care. But you know, you you know, you, as a home brewer, we use uh, Star San or we use uh, Iota Four. You know, in the brewery, you're using you know caustic and you're using. You know, all the other different types of quad and, you know, all the different PAA, all the different types of chemicals, and you have to handle those. I mean, I learned that quickly when we first started because when we were doing the pilot system, the, you know, the half-barrel system done at Braxton, you know, we would clean it with the professional chemicals. So you got to learn, you know, what what mixture should you be using versus, you know, <laughs> at home ring. Right. looks pretty good yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looks looks dark enough. <laughs> Sanitize. I mean, but seriously, I mean, th those those are some of the first steps too. That's true. You can frequently go by color, especially with iota for. I know. It's not. It's not red enough. Right. <laughs> not to jump into our conversation. No. I mean, let's, I mean, let's um, let's let's go ahead and kind of slide into it a little bit. So you're talking about process now. When you talk about developing a recipe, you know, when you're a home brewer, you kind of you know the things you do and the way you brew. Like, how does that? How does that change when you are brewing on a pilot system versus something that's going to transfer up to a bigger system as far as the process goes? I'll tell you, the, uh, tell you this little story. First time I brewed on a home brew setting with uh, uh, Richard and Evan. It was over at Evan's house, and I had my system, uh, Evan's mom and dad's house over in um, Union. And... Uh, I had my system over there, and Richard goes, well, what's your pre-boil volume? I said, to that dent? <laughs> I knew that, but I knew how much that Very was. Very true. Right. And that's in my boil kettle. And, you know, and I knew that every time I, you know, when I was doing my mash. Did the dent come naturally, or did you at some point just say, all right, that's where I need to be, and hit it with a hammer? No, it was, <laughs> I think it was the keg that already had a dent in it, and I, over time, realized that, you know, that's where I need to be at. And then when I, after I get finished my boil, I'm going to have my 12 gallons of, Wort before I pitch the yeast. Right. Um, big difference though when you're brewing on the <laughs> on the yeah. pilot system because to be able to scale up, you know, you have to the process is one. You have to you want to emulate the process as much as you can on the small system as you do the big system. Right. Um, so you know, you got to know how much pre-boil pre-boil water you need for your mash time. You have to calculate that because you're going to be able to calculate your 
extraction of ball, be able to calculate what your volumes are going to be, calculate your alcohol so we know all the way through. So we would follow the same process. We would get our water exactly where it needs to be, know how much we're going to be bringing in mm -hmm. from the, from the, from the uh, hot liquor tank, and we know what we want our pre-boil volume. We know what we, our pre-boil gravity is. And if we're off, then we have to make adjustments. We may get less, we may get, take less uh, volume and boil a little bit longer. Or if we're over, then we may have to add, add more hot, hot liquor or something. You know, this is what we're trying to get, and we're trying to capture what we changes we do or anything we have to tweak throughout the system so that way when the, you know, the guys are brewing on the big rigs, you know, your Bouchards and Evans, Adams, Connor and Brian, all the, you know, Zach, all those folks, they can then convert, take that and convert it up to the big system. Right. But the process, you know, one thing we don't do on the small system that they do on the big system is when they're sparging. On the small system, we will do a fly sparge. I might be getting ahead of myself, but, but we're talking about process. So a fly sparge is basically where you're taking the grain and you have it in your mash mixer, and you're slowly rinsing it with hot water coming from the hot liquor tank. At the same time, you're pulling it through the grain and then capturing it into your boil kettle. Okay. Then when we get our volume, we know where we're at. On the big system, and when we do people, when people are down there being brewers for a day, we actually walk and we'll do the small system process, and then we'll take them up on the rig on the deck and show, well, here's what you should, we'd be doing if we were doing it on the big system. So once you get in the uh, lauder ton, what they'll do there is they'll take a first runnings and they'll pull, you know, certain amount of, of water off of the grain bed to about, you know, maybe a couple inches off the top. Okay. And then they know what that volume is. So then they'll add a barrel on, then they'll pull a barrel off. Because they they, you have to know, we have to know exactly throughout the whole system what our volumes are, what the, you know, what, what the gravity is. And we can understand what we're going to come out with because we know if we boil for this long, we're going to have this much evaporation. So, a lot more process than the home brewing. It's like, yeah, it's all right. It's going to be about two. You know, it's going to be <laughs> this is going to be a six and a half percent beer instead of six. Right, right. Well, a lot more process, but a lot more documentation. And we yeah. really try to use same instrumentation, so the same hydrometers and and the same. At first much, we didn't. We we, we went right. there though. We we, we we got there. Same brewing sheets and tried to capture as much information. So they could have the information here from what we did on this small system, you know, similar, we would mash for the same amount of time they did, boil right. for the same amount of time they did, so that it would be more easily scalable as opposed to us just doing whatever the hell we wanted to. Right. And then saying, you guys have to figure out how to do the math to make all this work. And capture it, you know, cap, you know we, we were capturing it in... Uh, we started. We finally switched to Play-Doh the le after after yeah. <laughs> Conan and the guys. Were, Can you please put it in Play-Doh? <laughs> sure. So, what what is the hardest part about that that transition from from the the smaller scale? I hate calling it from from home brewing to the big, but from the smaller scale to the bigger one. Is it just? Well, let me let me first say that there's probably folks. And what I'm describing from going from home brewing to the big one is the way I home brewed. So I want to clarify. I'm sure there's home brewers out there, and I know some that are very, very yeah. heavy, very, very process driven, uh, very meticulous. And I, I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm meticulous, but not to a point where it's. I am a little bit of a shoot right. from the hip kind of guy too. I mean, yeah, hot you're, side. I'm not so much worried about you're it. You're meticulous about making sure cleaning, sanitation, and, right. and overall proper process is in place. But as far as measuring and nitpicking the right. beer on when you're home brewing, no, it's a little more laid back. Right. It's a little more. I'm more of a you know, just brewing for the fun of brewing. 
yes, you want repeatability. Yes, you're going to take measurements at different increments and milestones throughout the brew, but it's not it's not nearly as serious when you know you have to to deliver certain results and certain measurements that are scalable and producible at a significantly different scale. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I you, I have a felt like I have a little more freedom. Um, now, with that being said, being part of the innovation that gives you some you know pilot batch, you know you can be, be a little more free too. But you still have to document that freedom. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um, I want to talk about how that's all going to kind of shift and change a little bit too with this Braxton Labs opening. Then um, we should probably, well, we should probably take a quick break and then we'll kind of get into a little bit about that. And um, I want to kind of pick your brain about that. All right. We'll be right back. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with a big red bone. You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, Eight Ball, Braxton, and more. At just five bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones, or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Um, I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and. and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't. You don't ever hear somebody say, "Yeah, I used to drink that crap beer crap." But I, <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi, fans. I'm going to tell you about the new apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast, Pasteur Screen Print. Mario Pasteur has built his family business with the craft beer movement in mind. They've done custom items for Old Firehouse, Listerman, and many more. Screen printing to embroidery, Pastura Screen Print has the answers for your custom apparel and marketing needs. Contact Mario or any of the pros at Pastura Screen Print at 513-550-2271 by email at pastura.screenprint at gmail.com and coming soon at www.pasturascreenprint.com. The craft of custom apparel is Pastura Screen Print. We're back. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft, the the one, the only voice of Sensi Craft, because everything else is written. It seems like it seems like nobody else is actually talking about beer on some kind of uh, digital forum. I guess. I don't know. There's a couple River City News. I guess pokes at it a little every once in a while but um we're back at the dixon arms hotel and pub 
uh, from, in my mind, deep in the heart of Kentucky. It's you know a little bit of a journey for me up in Fairfield. But <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> you know, I work up, I work up in Fairfield. We probably did you come around two seventy five? Well, I I work on the other side of town over in Kenwood, so I did not come that way. But, um, we are talking about. Um, I don't know how to classify the show. We're talking about innovation, um, transitioning from home brewing to a bigger scale, um, creativity. We're, we're talking general. about Dave Dixon. This is the Dave Dixon show. Uh, how long do we have? Do I, I don't know if you want to start that. I feel like he needs his own podcast, honestly. How are you doing? I mean, have you seen his YouTube channel? I, I don't know that I have. Oh. YouTube videos out there. Of, uh, uh, there's educational. There's fun. <laughs> really fun. <laughs> I should have done that in my pre-show research. <laughs> Dave's dreaded.com. Speaking of innovation, we kind of poked at it a little bit before we took a break. What? And Braxton has announced that they are taking over the former 8-Ball space as their new Braxton Labs innovation space. Um, as soon as we went to commercial, you kind of hinted that you didn't know how much you were allowed to talk about any of this stuff. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> so um, it, it, there, there comes a point with the show where I don't think they let Evan come on the show by himself anymore because they usually have somebody that stands next to him and kind of jabs him in the ribs if he starts to talk too much. So. Um, their fault for not sending somebody to sit next to you. <laughs> I mean, do I have to be that guy right now? No, 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 no. It's so, no, it's 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 no, it's it, it's very exciting. Let's let's let's. Uh, can you talk about what your role is with Braxton Labs? Well, I think we're still working on a lot of those things out. I mean, you know, one of the things that you know, with, with, with what was announced was that you no, know, it's it's a, it's a space now where we can do our innovation. Right. So now we have to figure out what, you know, what that is. And, you know, that's what, you know, your Evans, your Jakes, you know, Bouchard's, you know, and the team, they're all working on that now. I'm there to do whatever they <laughs> whatever need they me to, to do. do. <laughs> you know, they need me to brew on, you know, the, the 15, you know, the, the the half barrel system. I'll, I'm happy with doing that if they need me to brew I on think anything. they want the space where the 15 barrel, the, the, uh, the, the little half barrel system is sitting for something else is what I'm understanding. <laughs> And everything smaller than their their big system is supposed to be at the at the labs kind of thing is is my understanding of of in my reading of all the press mm -hmm. releases yep. about it and stuff. And so, in my head, you know, now you get to kind of come into this innovation side and play around on a really big pilot system. Is, is well, and you can remember, innovation is several different things, too. Like, you know, innovation can be in the, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, it's a recipe formula, formulation, too. It's about, you know, what, 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 what's, what's hot? What's going to be something that's going to be really, you know, really cool that we're going to be able to bring? Something that, you know, maybe I've wanted to do for a long time. And then working with other folks, you know, realize this, I have a day job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's a great transition to get us off of the Braxton Labs topic. But no, and so, no, 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 no. <laughs> because I've got questions now that I just thought. The thing about it is, is it's, yes, it's it's been announced it's another space that gives a different opportunity than the production space gives, right? But innovation isn't dedicated to the titled innovation team, right? right. Dave and Mike and, right. you know, me helping out sometimes. Innovation is encouraged through the entire brewing team. Right. 
So from you know, Adam and Zach and Conan and all of the guys that are back there oh, man, doing yeah. their thing, innovation is encouraged. Those guys have brewed on the little, you know, half barrel system and, and yeah, drink out calls. some good beers. But it's call. it's very much harboring a culture within the entirety of the Braxton Brewing team to develop and drive innovation. This just makes it a little bit easier to not interrupt production and do How? so. How easy it is that, though? Seems this, the idea to me. This, and this may be going into a whole different different path than, than we, we probably can, but you know how, how does, as a brewery grows to the size that Braxton is growing to, if you are Adam or Evan or any of these guys that are, from what I can understand, extremely busy with everything on the production mm-hmm. side, or, you know... You know, I'm pretty sure Evan doesn't get to step up on the brew deck as much as he wants to anymore because of the other side of it that right, he has to right. kind of handle. How do you kind of create that that culture within Braxton, this innovation kind of thing, if everybody's running around trying to... I think they've been very successful with that. They have from, from the side of the drinker, that's for sure. Right, I mean, and I think in, even from the side of... How many of, new packaged beers have we seen this year? Well, and I think if even... Mm-hmm. And that's one thing and that... that Jake and, and Evan and, and Greg and Richard, you know, the co-founders, wanted to make sure that was being brought with Braxton is, is that you're seeing, you're going to see that in, in multiplicity. Remember, that was Richard's, you know, and, and they're the very big word up front. And that's what, I think that's what you're seeing now. You're seeing us bringing different things to the table. And a lot of that is collaboration within the brew team, collaboration with, you know, with, you know, the, the, the full-time professional brewers that are there, collaboration, you know, with myself and Mike and the, the innovation team and John, you know, sharing things that we've done, sharing things that they've done, and then putting them together, tweak here, tweak here, boom, you have, you know, 1950s, well, that's a long time ago, but that's not, okay. you know, you have Haven, you have, you know, you have uh, a jump start, you have, you know, all these beers that have been coming out, and then right. just, you know, you go in and taste them, it's like, wow, you know, and I can tell you that from to be in the person then you go to taste them for the first time and you've been part of that it's like wow i mean it's 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 exciting and that's it it's the excitement of innovation right it's the ability to collaborate with people learn from other people that have a multitude of different experiences professionally and you know on a homebrew scale and one of my favorite things when i'm in the brewery is getting to learn from those guys you know richard adam evan con and this, all of the guys that are back there, everybody has a little bit of a different background and different experience. And I think the culmination of all of that is, is what makes it special and is what really drives the innovation to really dial in something different that we want to do. Well, and that's, that's something that I think a lot of people aren't outwardly and openly and loudly appreciating about Braxton is those different types of people and different types of beers that are then coming off of those taps you know it's not that madry doesn't have some really talented people that are doing lots of different things and different types of brewers there but you just don't you don't see it as as in your face as you do at braxton you walk up there and you look at those taps and you've got you know the, the havens and you've got the revamps and you've got 1957 and it takes a while to get there which is i think this is the next progression mm-hmm. you know in that to allow that innovation and by to it kind takes a while you know a couple years <laughs> i mean the, 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 the braxton is still new well the, i mean in in the grand scheme it's 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 downright scary you know, to think about what where things can go plans and they always get 
kind of squish down when they're right. really successful, right? It's everything escalates pretty quickly when you know you focus on quality and you focus on putting out good beer. And you know it's it's been very good so far. But uh, you know, like Dave said, all we do is try to help where we can. And and uh, I can tell you this though. It, being part of the innovation team and being involved with, because uh, it's the very beginning, it was, you know, it, from the brew team, it was Evan, Richard, Mike, myself, and Connor. Right. Yep. To see where we've come now, I can tell you right now, sitting right here today, I'm 10 times the brewer I was two years ago. I think everybody that's involved in Braxton would say that. I think even, well, maybe not 10 times, but I think Richard's learned a few things too, just from being involved in Braxton. Like, you know, he had never homebrewed it's, before, and that's, I, I, that's <laughs> I don't think people appreciate that. You know, I don't know if we've we've sat down and talked to him about that on the show, but like you know, you've got the 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 homebrewer side that are transitioning up to this big thing and kind of just thrown into this world and 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 almost figuring that out. And then you've got Richard, who, like you said, you know, probably couldn't figure out why the hell that dent was here. <laughs> I, mean, I just tell that story. I'm sure so you can figure it out. I'm sure it just irritated the a little, little tear rolling down his cheek <laughs> as he's watching it. I mean, like, it, there are just these these very different types of people all kind of thrown into this all, like growing into this this thing that is that is Braxton. It's 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 really fun to watch from the outside. I wish people could appreciate it more than what they are, though. It's fun from the inside too. Let me tell you, it's been. Um, and I'll, I just I just have to say this because I've had such an amazing time in a very rough period of my life that Braxton has actually helped me through. With you know there was we had some issues some, some family health issues with my mother and everything who passed away last year and if it wasn't for having Braxton I may have gone nuts. I mean it's it was really hard for me but I could walk in that door because that's when we were building Braxton. And, you know, I remember, you know, going to work and coming back and going, then going to practice and working till, you know, early, late night, early morning, go home, take a nap and go back to work and start over again. And when I walked inside those walls, nothing mattered except the task we were doing at hand. And Braxton, for me, is very special because of that. I mean, that, that family environment that it was yeah. founded on carries through, you know, really every level it, of the it, thing. It trickles down to every single level. It does. And I, I hope that that feeling that I get when I walk in there isn't just because I'm a beer blogger or a podcaster and they give you extra attention. I, Absolutely I, not. I'm pretty sure that every single person that walks in there feels that. And when um, the, Whenever my father goes in at there, least I hope. everybody says hi to him. They know him by name and they treat him with respect i mean that means a lot to me right uh you know some of my friends that go in there that maybe know me from work or something like that it you know they know they know me they'll say hey do you know dave and the, the everybody it's just the from 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 tyler and everybody in the bar staff yeah. to you know the, the, it doesn't the, matter the every, team, every level the, the, all levels if right we there. bring friends co-workers it doesn't matter known or not known you know everybody walks in if they're available they get greeted you know, like their friends, like their family. Because that's the environment that, that it was built on, right? That's that's the ambiance that, that they want to build. Well, and that's and, what we had. and I think it's been successful. And that's, what we so had. and that's what we had at the Guild. You know, somebody once said, <laughs> "Is I, I sent this one time, it, it, it was uh, a Christmas, and I was wishing everybody a happy holidays. And I says, you know what? Whether we're making beer or making candles, I still think we'd all be this, we'd all be this close. I mean, it, it's not yeah, about what we're doing. It's about 
the family and the friends that you make. And I think, you know, we had a big, you know, and, you know, Evan was a gilder and still is a gilder. And so was Greg. And, you know, and there's a lot of stories there about Greg catching himself on <laughs> we, fire. We and, tried to and, touch yes. on that during the <laughs> show. And he kind of pushed it aside. <laughs> but be fantastic. The, the, uh, it's, and, and I'm tying this back and I'm, John, John and, and Eddie a lot of props here because, you know, being the founding members, this is one of the things they instilled. I came from a club um, back in Texas. Um, I founded a homebrew club back there called the uh, Nethoppers. But, you know, we were your traditional club. You know, you had, you know, you had elected members. I was president for eight years. I finally gave it up because I got tired of being president. I wanted somebody else. You know, you, do, you had uh, dues, and then you comes with that is the politics of everything. And. One thing I love about this club is there really is no politics. We're club, right? Oh. <laughs> there, there is talk, but yes, we are a really real homebrew club. <laughs> anyway, but you know, the thing is, is that we remove the politics. We remove the, uh, or I'd say we, because we are we. We are the, the greater. I mean, we man. didn't remove the politics. We just chose up front in the founding of the club to do things a little bit differently and it's not a knock or a rip on any other club or any other way anybody does anything because when it comes down to it what works for an individual club is what works for an individual club and that's heavily dependent upon the leaders and the guys who started the club what eddie and i decided when we talked about doing this thing which you'll appreciate this was funny when i started the club uh, my daughter was two months old no a month and a half when i told my wife I'm going to do this thing that's going to take a <laughs> lot of my time. And she was completely on board. Um, God bless your wife. She's fantastic. <laughs> but, um, no, it was, uh, it was a conscious decision to say, what do we want to focus on? We want to focus on the beer. Well, how do we focus on the beer? By brewing more beer. By focusing on just that thing and nothing else. And that's the it's, – it's really very simple – and it's, like I said, it's not a knock or a rip on anybody else. Uh, I have, I think all of the homebrew clubs in the area are fantastic. And I encourage all of our members, be a member of one, be a member of all. Like, everybody has different things that they do and, and educational programs and just great competitions. And, you know, I love the spirit of homebrewing in this, you know, northern Kentucky, Cincinnati region. And a lot of us are friends, and, and I think it's fantastic how much opportunity the homebrewers in this area have to get new information and to see new people brewing and to just pick the brains and get the knowledge of all the people that have been doing it for a while. And you got one of the, and you have one of the, I think one of the uh, best judging, BJCP judging pools here in the Northern Kentucky, greater Cincinnati area. That's, you know, Josie and I, uh, you know, we cut our teeth in homebrew clubs uh, and competition on the Blue Bonnet, which is the world's largest single site homebrew competition. They had, 1600 entries last year and um the judges were really good down there but i've noticed the concentration of really experienced judges up here is just like wow you go into a competition and you know you're going to have five national judges i mean it's like it's 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 pretty impressive what we got up here well and it's again you know it's it's kind of mind-boggling to think about what that means for this area as a whole you know you talk about that transition from home brewer to mm -hmm. something else and you know we're going to see so much of that you know we, not that we aren't already but of people who are home brewing right now and turning it into something else and growing to this other level and starting their own places or coming on to places and um 
just doing really exciting stuff because of this culture that's being built right. from from the exactly. homebrew clubs and from the, from the breweries and from all these things that are I think special here in Cincinnati. I think it's it's different than any city that I've been to. I completely agree, and that's the you know the the culture and the creativity that you foster. A lot of these things grow organically out of that scene. So, you know, you think of the fact if there's not a good homebrew club or not good, you know, mentors or people available to, to kind of drive that passion and help people make better beer, you know, a guy comes up and, and is making some mistakes or has some process issues and you can help them through that, may open the next big brewery, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you help people figure out how to do what they want to do better. You offer some friendship and some camaraderie and, you know, just some damn good times. And then it sparks that, that thing that, you know, sometimes becomes, you know, Braxton or not that we're the that, sole purpose for that, been, but, you know. And that, but that's the key to kind of bring us full circle back. It's all, again, about feeling like whether it be friend, family, and that's the feeling that, we you know, I, I got with the Guild. And other homebrew clubs too, but especially with the guild, and then also with uh, you know being part of Braxton. I mean, it, it's the Braxton family. But does something, you know, kind of going back to that topic of the the, the transition, you mm-hmm. know, being being a home brewer to being this other this innovation brewer, do, do do you lose something making that transition? I mean, we've talked a lot about the beer you used to have stashed away, and you used to have this, and you used to have that, and I know free time is probably a little bit <laughs> less than what it was well, beforehand. It, not that it's not that it's better or worse, I'm, or it could be, but I choose maybe not to brew as much at home as I used to. Um, I have a replacement for it. I kind of right. I, I, I I'm and. I bought a egg, a Kamado, one of those Kamado grills, and I'm, I'm usually, but about every other weekend, Josie? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that that's fun. Um, uh, I do brew. But, but, but does it does it change that the act of brewing? Does it change kind of that? I mean. I don't think so. I, I think it's very I, individualized. I think it's the amount of time you have available, you know, versus your responsibilities, right? Mine has been significantly work-based why my brain kind of tapered down getting ready to ramp back up but see, hope so i keep telling myself that it's going to come true one of these days but i think it's very individualized to each person um you know i'll there, there's still plenty of pro brewers in cincinnati that will occasionally fire up their kettles at home and and make some cool stuff because eh, it depends on what you're doing right if you're cranking through production day in and day out you know, you may have a nice, nice reprieve in I think, going and firing up a small kettle and just doing absolutely whatever you want to do with it. But I think a lot of it depends on on where you're at and what you're doing. And I, I imagine your role as an innovation brewer at Braxton is very different than your role as a shift brewer at Madry or Rangeist, where you're brewing Psychopathy or Truth 24/7. Well, the one thing I was going to say too is is that and the question I took the question when you asked it more like, do I still enjoy brewing as much as I did when I homebrew when I'm brewing at uh, at Braxton. I can tell you this. I get the excitement. I get the chills. I get the I'm getting to brew today. You know, oh, yeah. when I when I go down there it's like, this is exciting when I fire up my kettle here. You know, I choose maybe not to fire up my kettle here as much as I, I, as I want to, but you know what? Maybe I can start doing some really big pre... I can do some R&D at home. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
you know, and do some of the pre-innovation innovating. <laughs> that's right. I can innovate my innovation. That's it. I mean, that's you know. the, the thing, Dave and, and Evan and Greg and you know Tina and all of them still come to our monthly brewouts just because that's the the culture that we fostered, and it's still fun. It's still right. fun to find out what people are brewing. And, you know, there's there's innovation to be found, you know, at that scale, too. Is there some kind of desire to ever kind of taper off and do your own thing? Or does Braxton fulfill all of those those things for you that you, as a brewer? My dream when I first started homebrewing, and when I, when I first started, knew I was brewing pretty good homebrew. Everybody had a dream of, you know, wow, I would I would love to do this. This would be great to do. But you realize this too, it's it's a it's it's a <laughs> We've got some feedback from the world the whole wide webs that you need to be a little closer to the mic, so Okay, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Scott, I'm closer to the mic. Thank you for the chime in. I will fix it in post too. So if you didn't like it, go back and listen to That's the podcast right. later. We're just making it more difficult for posts now. <laughs> no, this is professional. <laughs> so, um, well, where was I going? Does it does it Same. do you have a desire to kind of shoot off on a tangent and do your own thing. I, I, I can answer this very quickly and, and, and very concisely. I love what I'm doing at Braxton. It 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 scratches that itch. That's just it, absolutely. It, it, it's something um, I'm living a dream. Um, I, I'm getting to uh, be involved with development of beers and also development of where we're going by, by, by those by you know bringing you know and helping and getting this you know whether it's I'm there helping them can I'm helping them keg I'm helping you know yep. helping get things prepared for our two year or if I'm back there brewing John and I and Mike are back there brewing two batches of beer or we're doing the Kickstarter when we had did five bat five brews in one so weekend much fun, <laughs> but it was so much fun I mean so much fun all of those uh, Kickstarter brews that we did. By the way, thank you, everyone. Yeah. So to, to answer your question, no, I mean, I love it. I love it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, see where this is going, and I think I know where it's going to go, and I'm, I'm very excited to be, a, be there for the ride. I mean, I'm a 54-year-old man. I got, I got 10 years. I wanna, I'd like to be in a position where I could retire, go down and say, hey, Evan, can I just come and work? <laughs> Put me on a, let me brew a shift. I want to do that in 10 years too, so if you know how to make that happen, let me know. Let's take another quick break. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious kind of how that, how the process works as far as an innovation brewer, Braxton, because it's such a unique kind of place and how that, uh, when somebody has an idea for something, how it kind of bounces around between people and mm -hmm. comes to fruition and... I mean, we talked about that from, you know, especially early on. I mean, you know, that was a lot of, so we, we can touch on that after the, yeah, we'll see you after the let's break. Let's take a quick break. Let's, <laughs> let's pay some bills. You know, there's no need to be up tight. <laughs> beer, beer is about having fun. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today, right? That is, that is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Um, 
We uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Can you hear more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hey everybody, we're brought to you by Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. Brewer's Buddy is the latest homebrewing system on the market. It's a patent-pending, gravity-fed, beer homebrewing platform made affordable for anyone who loves the craft of brewing beer. It's versatile, durable, affordable, and it's safe. You can follow them at Brewer's Buddy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find out more about them at BrewersBuddy.com. Make sure you pre-order now at www.BrewersBuddy.com. Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Permissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I'm the Gnarly Gnome, uh, your guide through craft beer nirvana, your, your guide through innovation, creativity, the home brewing, commercial brewing, everything in between. Like This is kind of an all-encompassing show of um, the, the, the journey of, of a brewer, I guess. Right? I mean... Living a dream. <laughs> it's a... Uh, um, it is kind of yeah. I'm thinking about this when we're on break about what we talked about and what you know when you and I talked about this show early on, what we thought it would be and what it's turning out to be is kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of we've talked from 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 homebrew club to home brewing to innovation brewing and what does it mean? You know, it's been we talk beer. Yeah, well, it's but it is a different side of beer. You know, normally with the show we get we get these guys that we get, we get marketing guys or we get brewers that are just excited about having their own place. You know, you don't, you don't often see this, this side of, of where it comes from. We've even, we've, we spent a whole month talking about homebrewing on the show, trying to understand (laughs) that whole culture and that whole thing. But, you know, there is a connection between the two. And I think that that's a really interesting thing um, to kind of explore and kind of see how it, how one thing becomes another, if if that makes right. any sense, and I, I hope it I hope it's coming across for the people that are listening too. Thanks for sharing this. This is my first, my very first New England style IPA. It's it's an interesting beer. We're drinking uh, Sub Raw, which I think on, I think we've had on like the last three shows that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah. <laughs> we've we've been talking about that beer a lot lately because I'm I love it. It it's also very different depending on temperature. Um, when it's a little warmer like this, I get a lot more of that danky Simcoe kind of flavor. Whereas if I get it cold, it is really fruity, and I almost don't get the dankiness as much. Right. And it's 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 an interesting one for me. I, I I dig it a lot. I enjoy it. It's it's also very different than anything that Listerman has done in their series of New England IPAs so far. Although I hope that they remedy that and get some real danky kind of New England IPAs. 
soon. Hint, hint, Jason, if you're listening, which I don't think he is. I don't think he listens to the show. Except when I'm talking about him. So hopefully he'll get across to him when I'm talking about him and he'll listen to it and make me a danky dunky IPA. There you go. <laughs> um, let's, let, let's crack this one open to the squeeze okay. box here. Um, just because it's one of the variants and I only got one bottle of it. I'm dying to try it. This is Grab some um, for that. Okay, the right. uh, spicy margarita squeeze box from Urban Artifact, who is... When people are listening to this show on the podcast, it'll be after their anniversary party. If you're on Facebook, it's this weekend. Um, and they're doing a whole bunch of more bottles, which... I have so many choices over here. <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> it becomes a uh, a game every night when I have time to drink one or two beers. So what are those two going to be when you have a whole fridge full of really fun stuff that's coming out of Cincinnati? There's a uh, gentleman at, uh, at work uh, sits next to me. His name is... Uh... John uh, listens to the uh, your podcast, and I just want to give him a shout out because he's probably going to be listening to this later well, on. What's up, John? <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's uh, he he because he, he heard when you gave the teaser about when we were I got one of the shows you had talked about that we were going to be talking right. about this, and you're going to have me on. He says, "Hey, I heard you on the I heard your name mentioned <laughs> on a podcast." It's always weird to me to think that there's actually people listening. Like I got, and I don't know if that's like this weird thing in my head, but like I still feel like we're just always sitting in a brewery or in somebody's basement or wherever, maybe just drinking beer and, and talking. And then this isn't a bad place. To all of a sudden, and no, this is this way better than my basement is. I'll tell you that. Anybody who watched the um, the show with Craft Beer Joe, the New England IPA extravaganza, I don't remember what I called it, but my basement is very unfinished still. There we go. Here's a 2004 Blue Bonnet glass for you. Big Texas Toast. Yep, that's when we had the 2002 a- NHC. Yep, I was a director of the NHC that year. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know who uh, know that I was actually on the board of advisors for the AHA for a while. Holy cow, the nose on that thing. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, it smells like candy. <laughs> Delicious candy. I also get the, <laughs> I get the peppery. Those oh, that is so good. So I don't like hot beers. I don't want. I don't want like. It is spicy. You do get that spiciness. But, I got that right off the. But man, it when you, you definitely get the spice, and it's it's there, but it's balanced. It's not overwhelming in any way. With the um the sweet and the the, the tart flavors too, like it almost like knocks that spice down, and you get some of the meatiness from the the peppers and stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I I like that. And it's not that you know some of the you know some of the sour beers will just crush you right back here you know it's just this is this is nice. I mean, there's a a nice bit of tart, good strong sour to the the spice on the finish, and the spice lingers a little bit, uh, but it cleans up nice. It doesn't. Not one thing stays around. That's that's nice. That's a little back. I think in. Uh, yeah. I think a little back, uh, little back in heat. There. Nice a nice hot day. I could drink. Uh, a solid pint of that or two. Or, or you can't because there's no more left. They, this was one of the weird variants. There was only mm. 100-something bottles of it made. What's the number can, on that? Can we remedy one, that with one, this show? 112. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Please brew more. I'll, I'll ask one about it this weekend. But um, the nose on that is is incredible. They, um, they're they doing some really crazy weird stuff over there at, at Urban Artifact. So you, have you guys... Tried any of the, uh, the 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 squeeze box or the variants or anything like that other than this one? This is the first one I've had. Um, I've got a couple sitting in uh, 
set and then I haven't opened them yet. But uh, I should have brought one of the, the regular squeeze to boxes too. That's yeah, nice. no, that's that's fantastic. Love the name. I love their their artwork. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. which animal is on the label of this one? Uh, oh, is it the hedgehog pig. thing? That hedgehog. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's actually a hedgehog. I don't. I, I think I called it a hedgehog when I wrote the post about it, and I don't think that's right. But yes. hedgehog or a badger or something. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Way way to go, guys. Uh, so, going back on topic, you know, it's hard to stay on topic when you've got beers in front of you, but. <laughs> right. um, Squirrel. And it drives conversation, <laughs> right? We'll just get, we'll just What, you know, kind of this process from somebody at Braxton, and you talked about how this, this kind of culture kind of permeates to all these different parts. So how does that work when somebody has some kind of a goofy idea they want to play with or has a recipe that they've been, you know, kind of screwing around with on their, their, their homebrew setup? How does that work to go from one end through kind of all of this stuff and make its way to something bigger. Well, we did something um, to kind of talk about one of the things we did is, you know, one thing that, that the culture is, is that they always have, ask uh, employees and, and people for suggestions, you know, like guys working at the bar, the guys uh, uh, in the packaging, you know, the business, you know, they have and they keep that information. And, then, and, and we'll Do you guys have like a suggestion box? Yeah, yeah. I mean, electronically, of people course. People can put bottles of beer in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things we did uh, a while back um, at, at one of our, 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 our meetings is that people made some suggestions on a beer and, and why. And, and then, um, you know, uh, Richard and Evan and Connor. And why? You have to back it up with a why? Well, the, the, well no, no. This was this, this, you know, this, this no, not, not all. No, the, the, what, 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 you know. What's it's your, damn what, tasty. Doesn't work. <laughs> what's, what, what's your thought behind it? And one of the beers we uh, we brewed was uh, Megan's. Yeah. We did a um, a black saison with currants. Yeah. So we were using more currants to try to replace maybe some of the the hop character. Mm-hmm. So you know I, I, that was very intriguing and interesting because I worked with um, Mike and and I were kind of kicking around an idea and you know we had a you know we have a pretty solid saison recipe at the at the brewery so we're taking that but how we convert that into a, a, a black saison is still because if you ever had a, some of the black saisons it can be very accurate it can be very just it just you know when you drink it you can taste it you know <laughs> just that face says it all. <laughs> see that, i'm sorry but okay the only way i could describe the sound it hit you in the back of the uh, of the back of your mouth like on the side of your tongue and it just you know that's what only way i can describe accurate it just kind of just feels like very harsh almost so you know how do we do that and we we took and did it more of, and used more brown malt than we did like more of the darker roasted malts mm-hmm. we did put some roast in it because i wanted we wanted to get that in there but then we did um currants um couldn't get red currants so we used black currants and then we said darker, yeah, like deep purple. And these were dried, these like free dried currants. And then we used juice, which was more of a tart <laughs> at the yeah. end and put it in after at a flame out. And we fermented that thing and it got nice and dry. And man, it, it, it was really good. We had, well. we had it, we had it on, uh, we had it on tap for our Christmas party. And then we actually had it on tap at the, in the, in the brewery for a while. And it was, it was really, really nice. So and when, but when somebody brings an idea like that, like you said, Megan had this idea of something. Uh-huh. And brings it, then it goes to this 
electronic suggestion box or whatever. Well, it this is. was a hand. This, this was this handwritten. This was okay, like, like this so, was this handwritten. So it, it, it comes. I, I I want to understand this process of how like this idea comes then to. The, the powers that be that decide, oh, yeah, well, that's okay to go ahead and, you know, try well, this on the, of, the pilot system. Right. And then how from there it goes to, the, gets on top of the Christmas party <laughs> to then somebody right. saying, this is really good. We should try we this with no, it. We, or, haven't, we haven't breeded big yet. We but, haven't, you know, that's not, you know, it hasn't, it's only went through the pilot system right now. But, so yeah. the nice thing is about that is we have a filter, and so we can actually produce, you know, brewery quality beer right out of the, you know, serving on tap. We have, we served... Most of the, uh, all the uh, Kickstarter batches came through and were on tap. Yeah. Yep. So what, you but, know. But anyway, I, I, to, answer your, to answer your question, this one here was more, this is just more of an example of how we, we took that. I mean, you know, but. You well, know, it happens more organically as well. So it is encouraged at, at the meetings that they, they have. And, you know, hey, if you got an idea, throw it out. But it's also more organic than that, knowing that Dave and, and Mike and, you know, sometimes I, do that they'll come up to dave and say hey i've got this idea or hey i want to brew this thing you know just like andy had an idea of of a beer he wanted to brew they'll right. they'll definitely just because again it comes back to the kind of friends and family thing it's like hey we're having a few beers i've got an idea for this beer I'm, that's a decent idea let's let's explore that and but that's see where we go with it you know they they do put in they, they put, put in you know ideas and then you know you know Evan, Richard, you know, any, you know, the folks that are monitoring that, I, I forget what, you know, what, what tool that is that they, they use. I mean, usually it's like, hey, Dave, here's this, you know, let's, let's work on this, you know, what's, right. what's some ideas or, you know, you'll get a, you'll get an email, hey, we want to do, you know, we're thinking about this, throw out some ideas and, you know, boom, here's some ideas, here's some ideas, you know, we want to do a Christmas ale. Here's some ideas, here's some ideas, boom, snow shovel, right. <laughs> you know. I think at the base of the thing, it just comes back to the culture that's been created. Um, and the the push for you know input from multiple levels within Braxton to say hey what do you like what are you drinking what's good also what are you hearing what are your I mean, ideas that, yeah like what are your ideas like can we take something that's just this conceptual thought in your mind and maybe make something with it and but I, again I, th I think to the core of the thing it comes back to the culture and I imagine that as far as the process goes, all this is going to shift immensely once Braxton Labs is open. And there's a place to just put on these things and just have these taps for these random kind of ideas for all of us to drink and kind of give our feedback and have this whole other, this whole other side to, yes, this should be on the big system. This should be something that I can get in a can. This should be something that... And you think about the, the ability to... It's easier to scale from a, what, 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 what's that, a 15 barrel? 15. 15 yep. to 20 than it is from a 5 to a 20. Right. So it's well, that incremental. And, <laughs> yeah, right. But the, the ability to not interrupt production right. in order to inhibit and develop innovation, right? The ability to have ideas and be able to execute those ideas without having to... I mean, obviously, there still be plenty of planning involved, um, but much less so when you know you have to keep beer on the in, shelves in, in, and in, in the tap. Room. In a production environment, your tanks are scheduled. You know when they, right. you know when they're going to be filled. You know when they're going to be emptied. You know when they're going to be clean and when they need to be filled again. And that is day in and day out. Right. So you know you have to minimize your disruption in that. 
the thing about this, though, going back Braxton to... Braxton Labs is a disruption? No. No, no, no. But, like, in that kind of thing, like, it's... Right, it's that place that you say, we don't have room for... We don't have room for anything here because we're just rolling stuff through. We're 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 pumping well, out no, no, this. No, but we have the space to just play and just to to do things and to to disrupt the normal. But yes, like, yes, that, yes, and no. Does that because, make sense? Like the way yeah, I'm. But and I, maybe I guess I shouldn't call it a disruption. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm thinking because it, it was Sorry, it Jonathan. wasn't it wasn't a disruption. <laughs> it was because we did take the time to stop back, take a deep breath. And do something. It's planned disruption. Right. It's yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, yeah. but you know, and 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 you know, take the time to okay, let's do a twenty barrel instead of a five barrel of jumpstart or uh, you know, Grader's is a great example of, of a beer or you know the beer that uh, you know the um, the stout over at Molly Malone's. You right. know, you know that's you know again that came from the innovation team. You know, uh, you know that though that was fun. That was well, so. Fun. so you know, kind of jumping off of that, what are some of the things that has come from that innovation side that you have been the most proud of that you say, look, look at the way this, this happened, not necessarily just the beer and just the, I like to drink this, but what are you proud of? What do you hang your hat on right now? If you say, you know, we, we, we helped make this happen. Well, see, the thing is, is that I, I it's hard to, I hard to answer that. The reason why I'm saying it is because it's not, it's not I. It's always we. So, in other words, when I say when I say that is, it, you know, it's it's always the team collaborating from from for whether it's myself and Mike and John to to Evan and Richard and everybody in between with Connor and Adam. You know, that's what I'm trying to say is is that, you know, what I like, I guess, if I what I'm more most proud of to hang my hat on is that the beers that are coming out of that brewery, what would you get them up front? Or in the market are going to be quality beers, and you're not going to have anything go either past that chain or out that door that's not quality. And if it ever does, we make it right. So if I could say anything that I could hang my hat on that I'm proud of that I've been a part of in here, besides, you know, I I enjoy that. You know, I'd like to say, well, you know, I, this beer was been great to brew, and it has. It's been fun brewing. But the thing I I can hang my hat on the most is that every beer you get out of our tap up front. Is, is 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 a quality beer made to that style now it may not be your jam you may not like that style but you can but if you look <laughs> if right. you don't like german hefeweizens don't buy your six pack okay <laughs> but, but but what i'm saying though you can look at that and you taste it you know it is what it was intended to be so let's take the other side of that has there been anything that like you guys you, you poured your heart and soul into it, and you thought this is going to be the greatest thing. Everybody's going to love this, and then people just kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't want to drink it. I don't want to. I mean, it, crankshaft, crankshaft broke my heart to know that it was being replaced by revamp. It, not that I don't love revamp, but I loved crankshaft when crankshaft was crankshaft. Right. So, you know, but I think you know, and it comes back to the quality conversation. If if the beer doesn't pass the quality and expectations of the brewing team mm -hmm. as a whole, it doesn't go on tap. It doesn't go out the you door. Know, it, it doesn't go out the door. So a lot of those things, yeah, maybe there's been some of those that have happened, but it's it's never been 
you know, customer facing. But not not like a quality standpoint, just from like a personal standpoint, like something that, like a style or a, a, a beer that you just. Well, I have to say this, and I, I will say this is, you know, the thing that, and I'm most proud of, and you know, there was there, it was very exciting how this happened too is the, is uh, bone gasket. Uh, you know, that's a robust porter recipe that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I was very, it was very privileged that to be, you know, to, for that to be on tap when we opened up with it. And, you know, we did the, uh, the blown gasket, uh, kits they gave away yeah. last year. And, uh, uh, Evan and, uh, and uh, Johnny asked me to write, you know, a nice thing about blown gasket, how it came about and everything. Um, it was, a, it was, a, uh, a, it's based off one of my original robust porter recipes again. Well, and but again, these are all that we all tweak it and we all work together, but if you ask me my proudest <laughs> moment, I mean, uh, that is... So when, you know, and, and that's, you know, you... You, you see that, you're smiling here. But that's the answer that, that, that I'm looking for, like that thing, like when, when Beer Advocate puts in a magazine that oh. somebody must have had fun brewing this beer, and, you know, like they, they go on and kind of talk about well, it, like just see, the, the traditional aspect of it. This spot right here, and if you can't, on, on TV, if you can't hear, you got, you got a message up there, a low battery message or something. Oh, you know. Dave, this is Still the going, internet, so. not the okay, TV. Sorry, just, just that little saying. TV you've got over there. All right. <laughs> that tiny television anyway, in the corner is that you know one of the things I took. You know, it, it, I I was very excited about that, and then when it came out, now you've got me all stressed about my battery <laughs> over there <laughs> on my little TV. Ten percent, we're fine. When it came out in cans, though, that was that was the one that you know it it, it was uh, it almost you know it was. It was emotional for me. It was it was full circle. That that at that point in time, it was truly full circle, you know. And I was I was blessed the very first time we made that beer at the brewery as I was on the brew deck with Richard. So you know, it was kind of like you know, Josie came down that day. We were this is right before we opened up for the and very opened up, and Josie came down. I said, you know, I can die happy today. I can die happy. My I've had a beer brewed professionally. So if you're asking me for one, I can hang my hat on it. Just gets that's me cool. all excited. That's, there you go. That's it. See, <laughs> I knew it was in there somewhere. Yeah, you just gotta <laughs> dig a little bit. And get there. No, but I mean, but uh, but it's again, it's a team. I mean, right. that's right. why I want to. You know, the, it's it's. Yes, that's, I, I don't want. You know, it's. It's not one it, or two or three people. It's an entire team across the entire tweet. gamut I mean, of yeah, the brewing I mean, team and, and Braxton as a whole. Richard and Evan did an amazing job tweaking this recipe to take it from what it was as a as a homebrew to a professional beer. Right, which is right. the experience you need to take right. something from, you know, a half barrel or a full barrel brew to something that's, you know, 15, 20, 60, you know, 120 barrels. It, it takes a significant, and it's not linear math, right? It takes knowledge of the brew process on the big scale efficiencies and a whole lot more than that. To understand and just nail that, just yeah, right. you just don't, it's, 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 it's not, not that easy. Right, it's not X in the hops. You know, you got to know what the utilization is going to be. What year the hops come out? How much has the hop, you know, the, the alpha acids degra degraded over the time? So that way, you know, you might have to put more or less. You know, the grain. What year did that grain come out? What was the what did what did the maltster say that the yield of this would be? You need to know that information. So when you start scaling up, so that you can hit your numbers every single time. Right, which sounds like a. a crankshaft issue <laughs> sorry Jonathan all right so I did not say what that. what do you 
And this is kind of a, a, a big question, you know, like if people want to know something about this transition, this, they're a home brewer, they want to be a commercial brewer, they're somewhere in between, what do you want people to know about this topic that we've kind of well, the thing danced is, all over? Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I don't even know what topic we actually I mean, covered tonight. Learn, just... learn from those that know. You know, find find knowledge, um, and not that I, I'm the expert by any means, because I've never brewed on the big system. Um, but knowing and talking to the people that scale things up and brew on the big systems, it's it's a whole different ball game, and there's a lot, a, a significant number of considerations that you don't have in the homebrew scale. Um, in the business side of things so it's i think finding a mentor you know as far as what i've seen in the craft beer scene um, finding somebody who knows having some conversations you know getting some information and you know there there's two ways you can jump in feet first and and go for it and there's been those that have been successful and those that not and on the same token there's been those that do a lot of research and the same thing happens but uh well I think what we found in the homebrew community and in the professional brewing community is the culture and the people that you surround yourself with can significantly impact your success. Well, one thing I too, think that, I think that's a great quote right there. <laughs> right, and one thing, uh, one thing to, to, to also think about too is that I didn't make the jump from homebrew to professional brewer every day doing you know that's what I'm right. making my living at. So right. you know. I have a I have a um, unique situation where you're an in betweener, still a professional brewer, but you know what? I have a day no, job. I am right. an in betweener. I get to, you know, I get well, I go. You know, I always tell people that you know I work during the day to pay my mortgage. I work at Braxton at night and weekend to feed my soul, because it truly Absolutely. does. It keep it. This is what keeps Dave ticking. This is what keeps <laughs> Dave going. You know, this is what makes Dave happy. Dave. <laughs> Well, is there a not happy Dave? I need to. I need to talk to your wife. Oh, we, don't wanna, we don't. We don't want to go there. That's that's a show you don't want to have. That's not something that I've ever no, seen. No. Well, you guys work very hard to feed all of the souls that are around Greater Cincinnati, and I I know I appreciate it. I know um, all of the people that are close to me very much love Braxton and love everything that's happening there, and and you guys are. A huge part of that, even if you're a small part of that, if that makes sense, um, it you know, like you said, the culture of Braxton is something that's very unique, and especially, I'm sure there's somewhere in the United States that's got got this thing figured out the way you guys do down there, but um, certainly in Cincinnati, it's something unique and special, and um, it's fantastic, and I can't wait to see what's in Thank store you. for well, um, the coming months. I want to thank you for coming over and doing this. This is something that's been I've been excited and looking. Thank you for cracking some bottles of some stuff that the rarest beer that we've had on the show. I can tell you that's right. We'll um. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you the this Belgian double to take home with you. Awesome. My my wife will appreciate that now that she's able to drink again. That's right. Um, is there anything you want Cincinnati to know that they do not know? The only thing I can say is is don't give up your dreams. I mean, this is a dream of mine that, you know, I thought would never, ever, ever happen. Um, it was afforded to me from a standpoint of getting involved in a homebrew club, um, making great friends, and then having, a, you know, 
brewing some okay beer and okay beer he brews okay beer it was really okay in the camera (laughs) all of this but you know what i'm trying to say though is is that don't don't give up don't give up your dream because it 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 does happen and i'm living it right now i i think that's a perfect perfect quote and keep an open mind just with beer in general just drink beer just drink beer and enjoy it and talk about it Learn about it. Enjoy it. Love it. Love it. Drink better. Uh, drink. Just keep drinking. Thank you. And brew. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, Cincy Brewcast. We're the voice of Cincy Craft. Um, get out there. Have a beer. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers.